0: Good morning Rock Bible Church. Good to see you. Let's pray and we're going to jump in uh, continuing our series in Philippians. Uh, we're going to do chapter 2 this morning, first 13 verses and that's will be um, in just a moment. Lord thank you for this morning. Thank you for our opportunity to come and to worship, to pray, to sing, uh, to give Lord, to serve. And I pray Lord uh, You would show us this little phrase that that you're going to use in this passage, this working out our salvation. I pray you would help us with that this morning. We thank you for what Paul wrote wrote to this church, and I pray, Lord, you would show us uh, how it applies to us. And so I pray uh, that you would guide our time, uh, give us some insights, maybe a little conviction, maybe a little freedom, maybe a little grace. And then, Lord, may we come uh, out of here in more love with you and on a better path. Let we pray this in your son, Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, Paul is um, chapter two here into his letter to this church. uh, And there's this phrase towards the end. It says, work out, verse 13 says, it is God who works in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's the verse I gave you at the top. But right before that, he says, now work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I always thought, ooh, I thought God was fun and loving. Fear and trembling and work out my salvation. I thought Jesus did so, sal- I thought he worked out the salvation. I thought that was on the cross. Uh Paul would affirm all those statements but he's going to talk about kind of what's our role? What's our piece in it? So let's uh let's go ahead and start with the beginning of this chapter verse 1 Philippians chapter 2 you can look up it's right here. So if there is any encouragement in Christ is is there any encouragement in Christ? This is almost sarcastic, right? He's basically making the assumption like Whatever's coming next, we're doing it because there is encouragement in Christ, right? Any comfort from love is love comforting. I mean, these are all obvious statements, right? Watch. Any participation in the Spirit, which is exactly what we're supposed to do with our new job description as saints that we got two weeks ago. Any affection and sympathy. Are we supposed to be affectionate and sympathetic? Verse 2 complete my joy. Last week, we talked about progress in joy. Paul's continuing on that theme. He says, there's a way to complete your joy, have full joy, being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. What's he say is the key? If all of these things are true, then here's the key to joy. Did you catch it? Four different ways he said be unified. He said uh, be of the same mind, be of the same love, uh, drive a Honda, be in a full accord, right? And of one mind. I know it's, I have to get so many pastor jokes in. It's, um, there's a quota. It's kind of like a baseball contract. Um, apparently, the church was divided. Apparently humans, who knew, like to have opinions and preferences and they like to push for those things. And Paul says, "Um, let's be a different animal. Let's play a different game. How about we be unified, working on the same thing? Everybody hands on the rope, pulling in the same direction. And just to clarify, verse 3, he says, do nothing from selfish ambition. Are you sure, Paul? Because I think that that's all I see anymore. Turn on the TV, go on social media, um, walk down the street, go to a parking lot and try to find a parking space. Everybody is motivated by selfish ambition. Like, where did that come from? Being selfish, where's that, where's that come from? That's, it's like a disease, right? Oh, you want to tell me about COVID? Great. I want to tell you about a more dangerous disease. It's called sin. It infected us a long time ago. Apparently, back there was a garden and this couple and they didn't figure it out. And now, next thing you know, we're all doing things for ourselves. And God says, you know, that's not the way it was designed. I designed a better program, a better plan. In fact, you had access to the whole garden. You were meant to share, cooperate. You weren't meant to be embarrassed in front of each other or have negative opinions about one another. You're just meant to be unified. So stop being selfish. And do nothing from conceit. What's conceit? If you said someone was conceited, they think they're better than other people. I use this line on my kids all the time. I think it wore off, and I don't have to say it very much anymore. But they would do something, and I would say, oh, I'm sorry. Were you the most important person in the room? We do sarcasm at our house, and that was not sarcastic. Sarcastic right um it's this idea of do other people get to be important do you have to get your way but in humility middle of verse three but in humility count others more significant than yourselves we live in a culture where we fight for our significance it's weird really weird see, we're fighting for something that's already been won. Are you significant? See, we're still fighting for significant. We can't even answer the question. Played a lot of sports in my day. Most all of it was soccer. Won a lot of games. Scored a lot of goals. A couple championships. Weirdest thing, the day after one of those big wins or scored some goals, you know, under the lights, Castor Valley High, blah, blah, blah. Never ever did I the next day go back to the field and try to score again or win the game. Never go down there. Why? Game's over. The weirdest thing, we run around looking like we, we have to find our significance that somehow, well, yesterday I was okay, but I got I to win it again today or something like that. It's like, no, that game's over. When did significance happen? For you? Gosh, Scott, usually the questions are so easy. We're at church. When did significance happen for you? Jesus? Isn't that the answer? We're at church. That's the answer, right? When did Jesus decide you were significant? Um, I don't know, Scott. I wasn't there. Bingo. And yes, that was a commercial. Bingo. Get it? Two weeks. Um, he, He decided you were significant a long time ago. In fact, probably before time. Time's a construct that he created. You've always been significant. Now, there's fun answers. Oh, on the cross. That's when I became significant. No, that's just when he proved your significance. Well, when I was born. Yeah, but he knew you were being born. In fact, a psalmist would say that he was knitting you together in the womb. Well, it must have been in the womb then. Yeah, but before you were a twinkle in dad's eye, he knew when you were going to be here. He knew what talents he was going to give you, all that kind of stuff. So why the running around chasing ambition and conceit? Why the lack of humility? Why the I have to have my own way? Why the I have to be above everybody else? I need to be in charge. They need to listen to me. Paul says, "No, that's that's not us. We're significant. We're loved. We're bought with a price. We're forgiven. We're redeemed. We're a creation." You know what he's saying, really, in these first three verses? Act like it. Don't you walk around with a smile on your face and just be nice to everybody? Is that really that hard? This is why I love old people. I don't know. As the church gets older, we're going to have more old people. And I'm kind of okay with it. Right? What do old people do? Smile. Let you go first in line. They just want to be around the grandkids. They help make dinner. They help clean up dinner. They help wash the dishes. Old people are the best. They pay for stuff. What are they worried about? I'd say one of the greatest uh, lessons in ministry for me was watching Lauren Heath and never ever felt like he was threatened by anything. All the things I watched him deal with over the course of 10 plus years. And he just was calm all the time was almost sickening. Like, how do I do that? Well, stop worrying about yourself. Start worrying about other people. Stop worrying about uh, where you're going and find out where the church is going. Let each of you, verse 4, look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Shouldn't shouldn't that say needs? Shouldn't that see like, Look to the needs of others and not just your own need. I mean, needs, that's like the top priority of stuff. No, Paul drops down, way down low to, hey, how about you just even be interested in their interests? Somebody wants to talk about something, why don't you just listen for a while? Maybe it's not the most exciting topic for you, but it is for them, and you have nothing better to do. How weird that, right? Just be interested in what they're interested in. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped wait a minute, I thought we were talking about our selfish ambition and trying to get status and being conceited and like our interests versus their interests and da-da-da. All of a sudden we're talking about Jesus, like not wanting to count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. What's that about? The one guy who could be self-ambitious and could be conceited decided, no, I'm not going to do that. The one person who would have been justified to pursue all those high status things says, nope, that's not what we're here for. I'm here to empty myself, verse 7, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. This, for me, is why I know God is a little bit comedian. His son, heir to the throne, capable of conquering death, forgiving sin, all that, healing people. They didn't even touch him. They touched his clothes and they got healed. This guy, they decide, hey, why don't, instead of being God, why don't you go down and be human for a while? Let's do like, I don't know, 33, 35 years of being human. What? You're you're seeing this, uh, they've got this show now, The Undercover Boss. They act like one of the regular workers and then they just work on the job with the other workers just to see how their business is going. They stole that idea from Jesus. He just came down and and said, hey, I'm going to be like you. I love what scripture says. Tempted in every way and yet without sin. He says, I can do this. Let me show you. They could have stayed in heaven. There's so many times where he could have used his power on the cross. Could have called legion of angels. He says, no, that's not what we're doing i gonna empty myself. And watch this, verse eight. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Wow. Even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. He was not looking for a top status, and yet what did he get? I got top status. Well, how'd that happen? He decided to be a servant. He decided to empty himself, work towards others, for others, be a blessing, be a benefit. What a great example. And then watch this. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, that we should all recognize this is the king, this is how it's supposed to work. Because they understand the gospel, they understand the cross, they understand who Jesus was and how significant the sacrifice was that he made. You see, your significance, your importance, your value is in Christ. Identity in Christ. That was decided before time. And then Jesus says, Yeah, but let me show it to you. It's always been there, but let me show it to you. Comes down, takes form of a human, goes through all that temptation, had to deal with Peter. I mean, come on. Did you say there's always one in a crowd, right? Peter was that guy in the crowd. He's always having to correct him in the whole thing. Sinking in the water, saying the wrong thing, cutting off people's ears. Like Peter. Stand in the back behind Andrew or something. Just stop. Goes through all of that. Goes to the cross. Then says, look what I can do. Now, go live that way, he says. Be like me. Because this is where we're headed. Every knee is going to bow, and then verse eleven, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's a rough verse right there. Why? I mean, confessing that He's Lord—that's that's not that. Well, yeah, saying it's one thing. The the rough part of that verse is Jesus Christ is Lord. Know this. When you pursue selfish ambition or you become conceited or you are not humble or you think to your own interest as opposed to others, who just started competing for lordship? You did. I did. We did. Paul says, "Uh, careful, you're losing that one. That competition for lordship who's going to get to be Lord, who gets to be the boss, who gets to be in charge, you're losing that one because you're going up against undefeated guy. Right? Never lost. So act like it. Why are you still doing this? Watch what he does with this. Um, Therefore, my beloved, gives them their status. Right there, with that beloved word, right? As you have always obeyed, so now, and here's our phrase, when the next slide comes. Not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Ooh. Give us 11 verses of How do you work out your salvation? You work towards the lordship of Christ, towards the confession, the the bowing of the knee, or the one show, the bending of the knee. Um, And you start showing that to other people and how you act and how you carry yourself, where you go, what you talk about, how you talk about it. Facial expression, by the way, that's my new one. Facial expression. Say to my kids, sometimes Julie, why are you looking at me like that? What's that mean? We've got to work out our salvation. What? what, That that we're going to create salvation? No, creation always happened. When did salvation happen? Before time. That was his plan. He says, start acting like it. Work it out. Not that you're going to make it happen. Work it out in your own life. Work it out in your own head. Work it out in your own heart. So you start to experience it, feel it. It starts to make more sense to you. You become less threatened by other people or things or the other political party or whatever rule they're going to make next. We're not worried about that stuff anymore. We're simply going to move forward because in the end um, we win, right? Right? We win? How many knees and tongues? Every. All. As all my amigos say, todos. All of them. We're going to win. So work out your own salvation. What's with the fear and trembling thing? What's that about? Because if you're not working it out, you're losing. As you're working it out, it's going to be easy and comfortable and soft and convenient all the time. Rainbows and puppies. Um, What's the sarcasm about? Is it going to be easy? I'm going to ask that question again. I want everybody to say no. It doesn't have to be loud, but you at least have to respond, okay? Is it going to be easy? It's not. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be costly. Yes, it's going to be frustrating at times. Is it going to be convenient? Hmm. Once in a blue moon. And when it is, you'll be like, "Oh, that's proof there is a God. Look, we showed up at the same place at the same time." No, this is working out your salvation. And do it with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. What's the fear and trembling? Um, once God starts working on you, God's working on you. You're gonna feel it. As, um, some of you know uh, a buddy of mine, Eric, a uh, police officer, police captain, for a long time, the whole thing. And, and I remember a couple times, um, we'd be hanging out, I would say, oh, I gotta go. So where are you going? Oh, I gotta go work out. You're like captain now. You're not doing all that patrolling and all that. You're still working out? What's that about? I mean, you could stay a little bit longer, right? Nope, got to work out. Why? I love this line. It says, because when I need to put hands on someone, I need to make sure they know someone just put hands on them. Whoa. Okay. Okay. His idea was, uh, if I got to take physical control of an environment, I better be able to do it in such a way that the person that's being controlled knows they're not in control anymore. Where am I going with this? When you let God take over, when you start working out your fear and trembling, salvation is going to hurt a little. It's going to be fun and awesome at times. You're going to accomplish great things, but God's going to push you, mold you, Twist you, boom, boom, and you're going to end up in a different place. Could be fun, but will definitely be different. Unexpected. And Paul's saying, when you do that, quit worrying about where Fred is. Or Wilma, like what their status, or or they said this, or you why are you not getting paid enough or what? Stop. Look to the interests of others. Look to this process that God wants to have you on. Let's work that out. Well, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Thirteen verses. Let's um let's take a look here. Um I, I once in a while I do this uh, titles work out your salvation and I thought you know there's three there's three kind of concepts like we're gonna go vague because there's way more we could get out of this passage if we started it for a really long time and got into the Greek and the parsing and the, all that stuff but these general concepts I was as I was getting ready for this I think you know what if we're working out our salvation what's the goal be saved cool let's talk about what saved people do then right so at the top of your outline you say save people Work on, okay? This is the goal. This is what we're working out towards our salvation, all right? Let's work on the first. Let's find out what the first one is. Um, We talked about it earlier, and it's in a bunch of these verses, but unity. Save people, work on unity. You know, unity doesn't just happen, right? You had a bunch of people working on a ship. They just wake up one morning and, whoa, how did I end up on this ship? We're all... On one ship together. No, they all wake up in different places, they get dressed, hopefully they shower, use a little deodorant, that kind of thing, jump in the car, maybe bring some food, supplies, and they all drive down to the dock and then they load on. It takes work. Unity is an effort thing. Unity is a verb. No, it's not, Scott. It's a noun. Get what I'm saying. Unity is a verb. It takes work. Why? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God because we look to our own interests and not the interests of others. People come in and... Have you ever have people say like the weirdest thing to you and and you want to just tell them, do you realize what you just said? And people come in and hey, how come the church chairs are black? What? Of all the things you could have led with, the church chairs are black? What? Ask me something else, a little higher on the priority scale. We love the questions, why don't we? How come we didn't? You know, I really don't like, we have all these little Critical things we do. What's critique about? What's questioning about? What's that about? I have a way that I want. I want my way. That's what it is. 90 really high percentage of posts. They're selfish, deep down. Laws, rules, control, what's it about? Making people conform to behavior. It's not unity. Well no, when we make everybody do it the exact same way, and we don't have any more black chairs, we'll all be unified. No, we'll all be miserable. Everybody will hate the leaders. That's the way it works. What is unity? Unity's finding identity in the group. Oh, that's why we don't have it. Because I have my individual rights. Are you tired of hearing that? I don't wanna hear about your individual rights. There, I said it. It's Confession Sunday with Scott. I don't, I don't care about your individual rights. I'm trying really hard not to care about my own individual rights as well. So you're not special in my lack of care for individual rights. I'm trying to treat myself the same way because this whole individual rights thing, it's backwards. In Jewish culture, if somebody got sick, they took them outside the village, they set them outside the town, they had them stay out there. Why? For the group. Keep the group safe. Yeah, but that's not fair. They as an individual, they should be part of the group and part of the city and part of the community, and they should not be outcast. Mm, No, it's not about individual rights. You don't really have any individual rights. Spiritually. Your right to be saved, is that individual? Please say no, right? Not wishing that any should perish. How many does he want to say? Oh, so you're not an individual there. Um, you got blonde hair? Does that make you individual? Nope, there's other people with blonde hair. You got two eyes? Yep, so does everybody else. The more you think about it spiritually, there's almost no individual. Well, we have individual spiritual gifts. Yes, yes. And if you travel even a little bit in some Christian circles, you'll find some other people with some of those same spiritual gifts. Amen? Amen. We're not meant to be individuals, folks. Two shall become one. We're trying to get people together and not be individual. Weird. We've got to stop doing our identity in self and start doing identity in group. You're part of a family. You're part of a town. You're part of a workforce or a company. You can be a part of a bunch of different things. Find your identity in those kind of groups and then start looking to the interests of others. You'll start breeding unity. People will want you around. That's one. Save people, work on unity. You work on finding their identity in the group. Uh, save people also. Work on humility. He mentions that a couple times, at least. He says, how about you stop being conceited? How about in humility you work on certain things? Um, humility's rare, isn't it? You, you almost can't find it in the public sector. Anything that's posted or cast or shown on TV. We give awards. What are awards for? make somebody feel great is that about humility no we give a reward to one person so that everybody else can be humbled they didn't win right no we what does humility do humility finds value in group you find your value in the group rather than in yourself how important you are See, in the first one, in unity, we identify with the group. In the second one, humility, we see our value as to what we bring to the group, but what the group brings to us. We start to be able to see the value of all the other members of the group rather than, I'm going to get my way and I'm important. It's really, um, it's a weird thing that we've done in modern Western culture, um, we've decided that the customer's always right. You, you've heard this, the customer's always right. Says who? Company that wants to make money? Oh, are we driving our values based on what makes money? Careful there. Because if money's what is most important, what do we just do to people? <whistles> Visual aid. We dropped them down. People just became more important than money, or excuse me, less important than money. And now, what do we do to people? They're not important. Money is, and so now they have to fight for their significance. That's why you get complaints and emails and comment cards, and that's why you would um, go and you would yell at a director or a coach or a board member, I was having a discussion with some of the leaders in the soccer club, and they were saying, well, how do we change culture? How do we change our parent culture? Because it's this consumer mentality, the customer's always right, we pay the club money and you des- you, we demand that you provide a service for us. I said, oh, that's simple. See, I run another organization that's nonprofit. Very similar. We don't have customers. We have members. Totally different mentality. It was funny, everybody in the room kind of looked at me like a dog who was hearing a really high-pitched sound. What? Yeah. Members belong. They join, they help, they serve. Customers demand services. Members do service. So, we find our value in the group by being humble, and and hopefully we're in the group because we we decided to identify them and be unified with them. Uh, Lastly, verses 8, 12, and 13, uh, and this this one's going to hurt a little bit, um, save people, work on obedience. Not their rights, not their privileges, Uh, Christians are uh, sorry not sorry but we, we work way too much on claiming grace God is loving and God is forgiving and it doesn't matter what the things I've done he's going to forgive me yes but Paul says in more than one place well does that mean that I should go on sinning so that grace would abound well get more grace if I sin more God will look even better because he forgave more kind of backwards argument is that right it's like saying ah i need to give more blood i'll chop off my arm what yeah the blood will come out faster they'll get more of it yeah chopped off your arm we we've got to start doing obedience rather than oh well god is loving and gracious all the time no god says some things that are pretty straightforward sex inside of a marriage period The way you look at a woman matters. It's almost the same as if you did it. Just looking at her could get you in trouble. By the way, I gave you money. What do you do with it? That's not your toy. That's my resource. How are you managing your money? Hey, by the way, the fact that you're still alive or still breathing or that your arms still work, by the way, don't chop them off. Those things are all grace. Now, get to work. love what it says you know by grace you've been saved through faith and that not a result of works that no one should boast but we are christ's workmanship created in christ jesus for good works at some point we're meant to be obedient be nice why why do i have to be nice Because you were commanded. You weren't asked. You weren't sold on it or like, hey, you know, if you do this, it could work out really well. We're not trying to convince you. God says, love your neighbor, period. Does that sound optional? It's not. Love him. Well, what's that take? And who do I have to love? And he goes into the story of the Good Samaritan. Which, by the way, in the whole story of the Good Samaritan, you know what he's never called? Jesus tells this story, by the way. Never calls him good. Calls him a certain Samaritan. A certain single specific guy walked by Jesus never calls him good is that significant? absolutely why? because it's not good it's what's expected this is how people are supposed to be regardless of where you're from or your skin color or your gender or your confusion on your gender or whatever just start doing the things the way the system was meant designed and created you'll start enjoying yourself you can walk around like Laren, unthreatened. Whatever happens, happens. I'll be fine. People don't know what to do with that. Be calm in the face of crazy. Right? Have you, uh, you guys run into crazy ever? I'm a pastor. I know some of that's for some of you that's a shocker. Um, I run into crazy all the time. Sometimes has nothing to do with being a pastor. I'm just in the checkout line and crazy shows up. Do do you have um uh, like a a code of ethics, a modus operandi for when crazy shows up? What is that? Calm. Be nice, be loving. It's amazing. People want you around. People ask for help. And when you're calm, what happens to other people? What do they do? They get calm too. We got to work out our salvation, folks. Why? Why do we got to work out our salvation? And Paul says it, right? Verse 12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? Why, why do we got to do that? The last fill in is the hint out of obedience. We work out our salvation out of obedience. Why? Because it was commanded. This is what we're doing. See, in obedience, uh, saved people. Work on finding authority of the group. Whoa. Why do we work out our salvation? Because the authority told you to. When you struggle with the humility thing, and I made that you know observation about, you know, you're really competing for lordship. Are you gonna be lord or is you gonna let him be lord? That's a little bit of a humi- humility thing. The next step of that is, are you going to let him be authority? Who's, who's an authority in your life? Who do you allow to be an authority in your life? The way I've heard it said, I really like this. Who are the voices that you listen to? And how many been starting these little experience where I let my kids... Be the authority, and I listen to them. It's weird. It feels backwards. It's definitely uncomfortable. And it works out. Does it work out right away? All of you with experience in life, putting the kids in charge, does it work out right away? Never. <laughs> it takes a while. Right, Usually there's some broken stuff along the way, some hurt feelings, and, but eventually what happens? They grow up, they learn, they have an experience, and you've done something for them by letting them be an authority. What's it do for you when you let someone else be an authority? What's it do for you? You see, this is why you don't do it. You don't have any answers for, why would I let somebody else be an authority? I don't have any good reasons for that. All right, cool, let's pray and call it a morning. Does it help you work on your cooperative skills? Okay, two people, all right, good. Does it help you work on your communication skills? Okay, four people. Does it help you work on patience? Oh, does it give you insights as to how Jesus had to carry himself while he walked the earth human? Ooh, does wisdom come out of that? Wow, folks, I thought you didn't have any answers. Sound like we just started on a train and there's like a lot more cars on that train. We're not going to talk about it right now, but the more you let God and others be an authority in your life, you will gain many, many things. People like to have followers, folks. This is the interactive portion of the morning. Do people like to have followers? Yes. Okay. P- people at home, just yell it out because I might hear you faster than some of the people in the room. Okay. Love you. Wish you were here. Come back when you feel safe. Um, people love to have followers. When you let somebody be an authority, you become a follower. Do they want you around? You're going to have more friends or comrades or whatever you want to call it. You're going to have more relationships. You're going to have more interactions. And those will tend to be positive because when someone else is the authority, they're getting their way. Are they happy usually? Whoa. For me, it's amazing talking through the logic of Christianity, and creation, and God's design, and figuring out how could this actually work, and finding those answers, and then starting even deeper experiments with them, right? I like to call it, follow the science, the science of faith. They're meant to work together, amen? Let's work out our salvation through uh, unity, humility, and obedience. Amen? Lord, thanks for this morning, and thanks for this lesson. Uh, thanks a little bit, Lord, for the complexity of the argument and how Paul gets through it. But, Lord, thanks for our ability to look at it, think, and work it out. I pray, Lord, you'd help us always to be mindful, self-aware of how we're carrying ourselves what's the effect on us and others when are we in line with you and when are we at odds pray lord that you would help us not to be afraid or scared of anything because we know you're in control may we bank on that lord and then walk in confidence If you're here this morning, you've never made that decision. If you're watching online, you've never made a decision to follow Christ or work out your salvation. It's free for you to start. Talk to him. Ask him. God, uh, start working on my salvation with me. I want you as Lord. Keep me from competing with you for Lordship. Start today. Start now. Lord, give me a feeling of that. Give me a sense of that. Father God, thanks for this offering we're about to receive. Pray that you would bless it and continue to help us work out our salvation. Praise in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, my daughter Marissa's having spinal surgery tomorrow, so I would love to just say a quick prayer. So, all right, Lord, thanks for Marissa, and we just trust you for what's going to happen tomorrow, for the doctors and everything. We pray for uh, healing, no complications, and we uh, we place her at your feet and in your hands. Amen. Amen. In light of what we're just saying may you trust that you're beautiful and that he's working something in you. Amen? Go with him.